Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey everyone, uh, Brett here. We got Camila over here too. Hi. Welcome back to the pod. Uh, so we just want to get like right into it up top. We're going to talk about some of the Taylor stuff. Yeah, I know listeners know that I'm not super in tune to what happens outside of the literal TV um, screen. I have seen some of these tweets there horrendous to say the least but Brett I know you're friends with Taylor and I know that you are really really more in like the thick of it and of what's going on and so I would you know really want to hear from you like exactly what's going on like yeah can you talk us through the situation yeah I mean it's it's tough to talk through the the whole scope of the situation just because there's so much but I'll try to you know, condense it and, of course. you know, listener, just, uh, I'm, I'm going to try to kind of speak, um, you know, from the heart here, kind of like it as much as possible. So for, you know, people who might be aware, and I do want to like get into um, a lot of intense stuff here. So I do want to trigger warning up top of this conversation, uh, a trigger warning, honestly, to a lot of different communities. Um, so just, just be mindful that this is going to cover, um, a lot of tweets that were incredibly harmful to um, to the Asian community. There was a lot of fat phobic things. There were uh, anti trans, anti gay, um, ableist. I mean, there's there's a lot of anti anti Indian. Right? Yeah, right. there's 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 and and far more communities that we've even listed there. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to list that you know mention that up top. Um, but there were some old tweets from. Uh, you know, 2011 through 2014, again, at the time of this recording, you know, what makes it difficult too, is that it just feels like there just keeps being more, right? You know, it it just, it, and it's really painful to see. Um, And it's really vile. It's, it's honest, it's fucking vicious and it's so upsetting and painful and sad and, um, and it's shocking. It's uh, like, I was so, speechless which i'm probably going to be on the borderline of of being speechless even because it doesn't even feel real but it is mm-hmm. um uh, and if you're looking to familiarize yourself with the situation it's hard to find like in a just a spot where there's everything but i would just encourage you to you know go check out reddit there's a few different uh threads that sort of capture as much as can be captured, um, but it's a lot. So just, just be, just be mindful. Um, but um, yeah, so, I mean, I'm, you know, I, w- I would consider myself uh, some version of, of friends with Taylor, just like a lot of other, you know, commentators, other, you know, people who have pushed for diversity and inclusion and a lot of, of these different things in the franchise. So we were all incredibly shocked yeah disappointed in in everything um but it is important as as you know i've said some of these things on on twitter instagram what have you um 
but it's important to have that same, you know, even if it's your friend, even if it's someone who you trusted, or, you know, even if that sense of trust is very much in question, like I'm, I'm right there along with a lot of people who are listening, who looked up to Taylor uh, and trusted her. And now that's kind of up in the air. Right. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm definitely someone who thinks that people can make mistakes, but, you know, and, and at the same time, it's incredibly important to acknowledge the harm also. And it's incredibly important to prioritize the harm. Right. Right. Um, because there were just so many communities that trusted Taylor. And this one, I think stings more because it's not only just reading these just, yeah, like inexcusable, you know, I, I can't say enough, like how fucking disgusting these things are, you know, and, and this commentary was, um, you know, and, and yeah, it, it, it's, it's inexcusable. Um, and as, as much as I don't recognize, you know, the Taylor that I've, that I've gotten to know, like in this stuff, it's her, it's, it's her from, you know, a few years back and obviously people can grow and she has, you know, pushed for, you know, change. But at the same time, I, I recognize that that's kind of all up in the air at the moment. Um, and there's, it's, it's incredibly valid to, to not have that same sense of trust. Um, and so Mm -hmm. not only were the tweets disappointing, but, you know, just like we've been talking about with Chris Harrison, just as we've been talking about with Rachel Gurkano, like we need to push for accountability and owning these things. And there needs to be, you know, steps forward to maybe not even rectify, but first acknowledge solely and without qualifiers, the extent of the harm on these different communities. And, you know, I'd apply that to Chris Harrison, I'd apply that to Rachel and I apply it to Taylor and it's, more painful to apply it to Taylor, but you know, I, I very much need to. And I was all the more disappointed by her initial round of apologies, you know, and, and I know that she's since put out a few different statements, but the initial response was rooted in defensiveness. And that was just not the, the move. And it, and it's really disappointing to see someone who, you know, again, like, if that was a different person and she was responding to them, um, I don't think that, you know, she, she would call out her own behavior. You know, she, she would, yeah. she would call out like how bullshit her response was. And what were, so I, I saw something of a response. I don't know if it was the first or the second or, yeah. you know, what, what were some of like the things that, she said that you're like, oh, she would definitely call this out if it was someone else apologizing this way. Uh, well, at first, and I think this is where it gets into, and I'll, I'm actually going to go into this a little bit more in a second, but okay. I think with um, when she initially responded, one, it kind of sounded like a little bit of like this, sorry, you were offended type of language, which like just the phrasing of it wasn't really taking full ownership. Uh, and, and there was this defensiveness to it. Uh, she also didn't include all of the communities that she harmed in her first statement. It was very directed solely at BIPOC, but in reality, you know, there was anti-Semitic, there was ableist, there was fatphobic tweets, like, 
and you know it's it's important to directly acknowledge the communities that were harmed and i don't know if that was just like a, literally a rush to a statement because she didn't even see all of her own tweets yet um but but even the even the the way she went about it was you know incredibly disappointing and listen i'd say this to her as a friend you know and i i'd say this directly to her uh that i was i was shocked at how disappointed i was and Mm. It, I, I'm honestly like, you know, just like I think a lot of either, you know, followers of, of hers or, you know, people who looked up to her or friends or commentators, what have you, I think we're all just in this sense of like stunned processing state. And mm-hmm. it's it's all the more difficult to have a proper, you know, and ready, especially immediate uh take on everything just because it is so jarring and it's so upsetting. And it's also incredibly harmful to so many different communities. And that actually is one thing that I wanted to get into a little bit is, again, like, I I can't say enough, like how disappointed and disgusted and all of all of those types of words uh, that I was at, at seeing those tweets, what I think was is worth calling out is also just like this idea of, uh, you know, people demanding kind of like this immediate response from, uh, you know, people who have spoken out about these, these types of things in the past, whether it's, you know, contestants or commentators or friends of Taylor's, what have you. Um, And I was a bit, uh, upset to see, like, for example, um, like someone DMing my Jewish friend, DMing uh, like a some anti-Semitic tweet to her directly that a friend of that person uh, wrote and just expecting this immediate response to a tweet that directly harmed her and her community and and it goes beyond that. It goes to people sending multiple friends of mine who have who are sexual assault survivors, sending them rape-related tweets just with no hesitation, no hesitation and demanding a response where it's like, what do you have to say about this? Where's your statement about this? Um, and again, like I'm mindful of not wanting to center myself in this, but where I was really upset is like people literally a day after I post about having a fucking eating disorder or struggled with struggling with disordered eating, people are sending me fat phobic tweets and demanding a response and saying all these people are bad people like myself included for not responding right away, even though I responded very quickly, I think. Uh, but like it's, it's. There's a degree of it that feels incredibly inhumane. And yeah. I, these are like some, some of these people I think are, you know, like Chris Harrison, Rachel Connell defenders who are just kind of like finding some sense of joy, you know, in this. But then I do think there's other people who I usually c- agree with where, you know, they are very mindful of trigger warnings. They're very mindful of, you know, sensitivity in discussing these things. But when it comes to bringing it to the attention of people they want to hear from, they don't show that same sense of care, you know, like they'll just directly send a harmful tweet 
to the harmed community and with with just no hesitation. And I think that's incredibly unfair and inhumane. And I, I think that that is another conversation, but it's of course relevant here. And, you know, I mean, the fact that Mike Johnson's DMs were getting, you know, flooded to the point that he had to, you know, say something and he clearly was really saddened and affected by the situation. The fact that uh, the Black Chillerettes like that podcast they were getting flooded with people demanding an immediate response, people saying that their work was immediately invalid because they had recently partnered with Taylor on something. Just there, there's, there's something that's not okay about that. And there's obviously, you know, obviously accountability for Taylor needs to, to be done here. I think there does need to be this time to process for a lot of different people, especially if you saw yourself in any of those tweets. I mean, I think about the fat phobic tweets that she sent out. A lot of them were from 2012. That's the year I started starving myself, you know? So like that shit hits close to home. So like, honestly, forgive me if I need a second to like take the hit and be able to process it and verbalize it. Uh, Cause it's, yeah. it's, it's a lot, it's a lot. And, and I, I know a lot of people were really struggling with all of this. Um, yeah. And um, it's just, it's just, it's just a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's something you said to me. I mean, obviously we talk about some of these things before we start recording um, and something that Brett, you said to me, I mean, you were speaking to this, but just to add these specific words to what you just shared, you said something like people are all for trigger warnings until they want an immediate comment and then they just throw that out the window and shove these insensitive horrible things right in your face like to the people who are most affected by them because they expect them to be the ones who comment first yeah no exactly so i think that's just you know something that i think a a lot of people just need to take a, a breath here um, cause it's, this, this has really, really been a lot. Um, and again, this is, this is completely separated from the accountability that, you know, Taylor really needs to figure out. And I do actually yeah. want to call out, um, uh, both, uh, some, some comments that Chris Randone made and then kind of weaving that in with, uh, the podcast, two black girls, one rose, just talking about, um, you know, what accountability for Taylor looks like, because it also is fair to say that accountability is just going to look different Mm -hmm. and the steps forward are going to look different. So look at Chris Harrison, his, you know, journey of accountability, if you will, is going to look a lot different than Rachel Kirkconnell's. Rachel Kirkconnell's is going to look a lot different than Taylor's. Um, And the, the comment with two black girls, one rose, what they said is that we're used to seeing this in reverse, right? We're used to seeing something bad from a, a little while ago. Maybe it's 2018, maybe it's whatever. Uh, and then it's brought to light. And then that's when we see like an ignorant racism or like a casual, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like a right. casually racist picture or party or whatever, if we want to use right, Rachel right. Kirkinell as an example. Right. Yeah. And, um, we're used to seeing that arc, right? Right. And they open their eyes to the racism or they open their right. eyes to their own ignorance. And then that's right. where the journey begins. Yeah. And then the journey, yeah. And then the journey begins to, you know, hold themselves accountable, to be actionable, to apply the lessons that they learn, et cetera. You know, with Taylor, 
you know, she has been an advocate for the communities that she has now brought harm to. Um, and, you know, that, that's been something over the past couple of years that she's been an advocate for. So now we know her for that. And now we have to backpedal and do this other sense of accountability. And I think this accountability looks a little different. And this is where it kind of ties in with um, some commentary that Chris Randone had where, you know, her accountability might be like, okay, so you say that you've taken steps or you've, you've, you've clearly done the learning, right? You've clearly done the work, you know, there's this assumption and that's actually going back to the apology. It was very, uh, you know, self-centering and it was very um, at times just dismissive and condescending and like, Oh, I've done the learning. Like, that's not me. Like it's, it's like the kind of the same lines in a way where it's like, sure. Okay. Maybe it is true that you have done the work, but now we need to see it in a different way. And a a point that Chris brought up is like, you clearly did have a lot of racist views. You had a lot of anti-Semitic views. Uh, You had fat phobia ingrained within your psyche. Um, And also something that we didn't even mention, there was some really egregious shit about clients that she had. And that was honestly some of the most upsetting things to see because you know, it's it's important to remember that she is a mental health professional, right? Which mm-hmm. is why a lot of this is all the more disturbing. I mean, she had um, a tweet that jokingly recommended suicide as a treatment, and that's like disgusting to see. There's something clearly that's fucked not up, right? Especially for someone who's in training to become a mental, a mental health, health professional. professional. I think about even when you know because. In that year, in in 2013, I was applying to internships. I was very well aware of what I was putting on social media, right? Yeah. And that's just not something you do. It's just not something you do. Um, So, you know, saying all this, like what what Chris was saying is like, um, you clearly had some incredibly harmful ideologies in 2012, 2011, 2013, whatever year you want to look at. And, you know, you say that you've now corrected all that you are no longer that person. And that very well might be true. How did you get there? Right? What were those steps? Because maybe that's the value in this accountability is that you can now through this experience reflect and figure out exactly how you did unpack your fat phobia, your racism to so many different groups. How exactly did you unpack this if you truly did, you know, and that's maybe something that Taylor is really going to reflect on if she actually did fully uh, separate from these ideologies or whether they're still there in some capacity or not. And she's the only one who can answer that? And maybe she won't be able to fully answer that. So this all to say, this is just all really fucking sad, hard, disappointing, painful. It feels like a sense of betrayal. And that's pretty much what there is to it, I guess. Yeah. It's been a long season. It's been a long season for us bachelor lovers it's been a long season for you know the poc women and matt who have been really put through the ringer and like truly harmed by the 
ineptitudes of this season. And it's been a long, hard season for you, Brett, who, you know, you're way more of a public figure in this world than I am. And I have the luxury, at least now still, to be able to close my computer and turn off Twitter and not have a million texts or emails or DMs or whatever about all these things that are happening. And so I, yeah, it's been a long season and I'm, you know, I want to say like, I'm, you know, we're here for you as well, Brett. And you, the way you just said that was so eloquent and beautiful and so clear and concise. And I really feel grateful that you have been putting in a lot of work um, emotionally, mentally, not only into this podcast, but into this franchise, which I know you said a few episodes back when we were joking about how, you know, rough the season was about how if you love something, you know, like you want it to be better. And you are truly exemplified that. Um, so I want to say thank you yeah. to you. And and I suppose to close on that because it kind of, kind of reminds me of it. It's like, I think why all of this, I mean, there's plenty of reasons why all of this was so devastating and painful and betraying all of all of those feelings. Um, I think one of the viscerally most like sad parts of this is this kind of feels like it's muddied the message, you know, it's muddied the message that not only, you know, Taylor was pushing for, but like a lot of, a lot of us. Right. And I, and I'm, I'm really nervous that it it muddies that. And, um, you know, perhaps I'm naive in thinking that the, I want to say momentum, it's again, naive to, and, and, cautiously optimistic that I think we are a little bit on the precipice of, of change. I'm hopeful. I'm hoping, um, for this franchise. Um, and I do really worry that this stops it in its tracks a little bit and, Mm -hmm. and it, it might let the wind out of the sails of people who were really fighting for this stuff. And I do really want those people to know that I'm still here with them um, I'm going to have a lot of reflecting to do when it comes to my friendship with Taylor. I don't know where I'm at with it yet. If I'm being fully Frank and it's fucking painful to say that, but it's true. Um, but just know that those people who are fighting, I'm still going to fight with you. I'm still going to amplify your message. And even if it's harder to do so, even if it's incredibly painful and exhausting and tiring and, sad it's important and you know we'll we'll get through this week yeah it's i mean to your point earlier about there are people who are you know rachel kirkinell fans and chris harrison fans um fans slash apologists i guess who you know are taking glee in this or they're using this like this is a horrible thing that we have learned you know like not to excuse it but there are people who are taking this like as a way to vindicate you know the chris harrison's and the rachel kirkinell's and the you know racists and the racist apologists um it's, it's a way to weaponize it right yes thank you those are the words it's a way to weaponize it and i feel like that's something that we've seen time and time again in history and civil rights and every you know sort of social justice movement ever you know that's why 
Black Lives Matter doesn't have like a centralized leadership because they don't want any person to be attached to this thing so that there can't be like any invalidation or takedown that right. that happens. Right. Right. I think that's why um, things like the Women's March, the original Women's March had certain backlash and these sorts of takedowns and these sorts of uh, weaponization of these things is common um, with any social movement that means like meaningful change and means like really having to reflect on, you know, people's own inner biases. And so I, as horrible as it is that this happened, you know, I think it was going to happen eventually. And I want, you know, Brett, and I want everyone to know to your point about you're still going to be fighting. I'm going to be fighting as well where the people who care, we're going to be here fighting and like this is something that happens time and time again with every sort of social justice movement you know when there's any one figurehead or leader people always attack that person to try to invalidate them to try to discredit them to try to take away from the movement and the progress and the change that they are helping to contribute to society and to their greater cause and so while this is absolutely horrible and i agree with everything you're saying and she needs to face her own reckoning that doesn't take away from, you know, the Bachelor Diversity Initiative that, Brett, you're a part of. That doesn't take away from Rachel Lindsay's work. That doesn't take away from this podcast and our message. This doesn't take away from the Black Trillerettes, you know, and everyone else who views this franchise with love, but also a critical eye to its problematic things. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to say that, that we're still here and we're not going anywhere. Yeah, not going anywhere. We're still going to keep this up and you know so this episode will we will get into the tell-all obviously we needed to take the proper time you know to right. fully explore all of the nuanced feelings around all of this because it's not something that can easily be uh you know pocket ready for instagram you know it, it really needs a lot of reflection and nuanced conversation um but yeah, so we wanted to dedicate a lot of this episode to you know the yeah, everything with Taylor this weekend. Um, but we'll do a bit of a quick recap of the tell-all. <laughs> yeah, you, listener, you know that I don't love the tell-all, so yeah, you know, yeah, all the more reason. Well, Brett, do you want to remind the listener why you don't like the tell-all? So I don't love the tell-alls. Uh, this is the tell-alls in general, but specifically the women tell-all, uh, because I think they've definitely had a tendency to pit women against each other. And yep. I think it happens even more with the women tell-all than the men tell-all. Um, and it, there's this framing and positioning of the women to just like, oh, be catty as possible. This is your audition mm -hmm. for Bachelor in Paradise. Just like talk over each other. And then Chris does his ladies, ladies, please. Like, you know, this big, wow. strong man has to make sure he calms every, all these, these just out of control women down, right? It's framed yeah. like that every single year. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm always dreading it. And I was dreading it times a thousand this this week but we do want to cover it really quickly yeah can i just say that i think they know they fucked up with all of the victoria slash in general mean girl drama content this season um because i 
truly felt like this women tell and maybe it was just the way it was edited but again editing is still a choice um that it wasn't very catty at all it seemed very a lot of apologies a lot of apologies being accepted no real like talking over or back talking you know i truly felt like it was a very neutral toned and like it didn't really escalate to like a cat fight anywhere yeah yeah and I was super thinking of you when uh, when all of this was happening because I know that you feel that way and I also feel that way. Yeah. All right. So, well, shall we uh, get into it? Sure. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So we start off this Women Till All with a notice right up top um, saying that this was pre-recorded on <laughs> February 4th, 2021. And uh, we all know why we saw that statement because mm-hmm. Chris Harrison was right behind that statement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also wanted to, in that same lens, if you will, uh, call out that ABC actually did a social media statement from the executive producers about a half an hour, hour before the show aired on Monday. And it was essentially, uh, you know, saying that harassment of Rachel Lindsay was unacceptable. They stand with Rachel, et cetera. And I was glad to see it. I was, there's two things. One, I wish it was sooner. I mean, she's been getting harassed for a very long time. And, you know, obviously it forced her to deactivate her account this past weekend. Um, So I wish this had happened that day. You know, talk about the journey to accountability would have been great to see that from Chris Harrison himself. If he wants to start his journey, his anti-racist journey, you know, that's a good way to start. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the other thing, again, I think about is like, sure, it's good to see that blasted on Twitter and Instagram, what have you. But the mainstream audience is not seeing that. And that was actually reminded to me this past week because I was talking to someone at work and Bachelor came up. We we're going over contestants we like. And she's like, oh, I really like that Rachel Kirkconnell person. And I'm like, do you know stuff that's anything. happening? Do you know anything like, that's happening right now? What do you mean? Listener, when I tell you I had to go do a whole monologue explaining everything She had no idea. This person had no idea of any of this. And that is baffling to me and all the more reason why, you know, again, if they have the technology to put a pre-recorded on February 4th, 2021, they have the technology to put their statement from the executive producers right before the airing of the tell-all. It's the same thing. Yeah. I totally see how it's crazy to you, but for me, it's almost like, yeah, I get it, because that that was me, not super recently, because, you know, we've been friends, and I get a lot of insight from you, but 2018, I didn't know anything about anything beyond what was on my TV every Monday night. Yeah. Literally zilch. Yeah, so, I mean, I think that's, like, why this stuff is, is, you know, problematic and hard, because it's, like, the statements are being made to the social media, you know, the unreasonable people on social media, right? We need to, we need to be calmed. Um, but for the mainstream audience is business as usual. And, you know, it is worth calling out that, uh, you know, and this was announced uh, publicly, so it's not really a 
spoiler, but maybe potential spoiler for after the final rose, uh, Emmanuel Acho was announced that he was going to be taking it over for Chris Harrison, uh, which is a good step. And it's actually worth noting that um, I know a lot of people wanted Rachel Lindsay to take that on, uh, but he was actually her choice to do it. So I think that that's going to be interesting. Well, also to note, they asked her and she declined. Fairly so. Yeah, because she's already done plenty of an emotional labor for for all of this. Did they reiterate it during the Women Tell All? Like, was that part of any sort of promo? I don't think so. Wow. Yeah, I don't think so either. Damn. Yeah. So that's concerning, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I wonder if that mainstream audience that we're talking about even knows that Chris isn't going to be hosting. I don't think so. I mean, because I, you know, it's making the rounds on like CNN and all these other articles, but people are pretty good at not looking at the news also. (laughs) True. Very true. Um, So the first bit of drama that we get into is the MJ Yesenia feud two on one. Recapping that whole thing. Yeah. I was, I'm not going to lie, I was expecting for this conflict to be like a cat bite moment. Yeah. Not yeah. that I was looking forward to it. I just, that is like the fodder for yeah. that in the tell all that we've just grown accustomed to. And it was weirdly very, it felt almost accusatory at Yersenia. Like mm-hmm. almost like she had overreacted or something or spoken out of turn or something. Yeah. Um, MJ, I felt, got, like, a nice redemption arc or whatever. And Yesenia was also, like, she didn't back down from her actions or she didn't apologize right. for her actions or take them back. But it just, it did feel like it was very... It's like they, they tried to, well, it's like, it's like there was almost this, like, poking holes in the story where it's like we thought yeah. it went down one way but then this mysterious tell-all comes by and and tries to conspiracy theory and mess up like <laughs> kind of like what we thought we saw and it just uh, yeah, yeah kind of pokes holes in it i mean i don't actually think that but that's what they were oh no i definitely don't think that but i think also we see that in a lot of other parts later in the tell-all yeah. but yeah, yeah so mj's kind of getting like a redemption arc you know do i think she is irredeemable. No, I think very few people in this world are irredeemable. I, For me, it, I didn't feel like she super owned what happened. You know, Justenia brought up, you didn't own it with Matt. And then MJ was like, actually, I did. And then that was the end of it. Like, yeah. there was no like, wait, but did you? Because you said, you know, there was like, I, I was just confused. Obviously, yeah. it's edited to be concise and whatever. And I do think, and I'm going to repeat this throughout the podcast episode, I do think a lot of our quote-unquote villains got redemption arcs um, on this tell-all. Probably a course correction from, like, the Olivia Creedy stuff. Yeah. So there was that. I will say Mari jumped in one of many times to defend MJ, and I don't know, it just felt like, was anyone there to defend Jesenia? Yeah, like I, yeah, yeah. It just felt unbalanced, and then also it felt like... What what do you call it? Like the audition, the audition? For paradise? <laughs> yeah, that. Um, it just kind of felt like that. Anyway, um, after that, we kind of we're still in the bullying vein and we kind of transition to Ryan and talking about how you know, like being a dancer isn't being a hoe, and um, and then there starts to be this like back and forth between her and Victoria, 
And then Victoria is, you know, if I thought MJ didn't really own her shit, like Victoria like Compounded makes MJ that. look Yeah, exactly. No, and Victoria makes MJ look like a saint that's doing yeah. her repentance for twenty years. <laughs> like so Victoria just says the most ridiculous thing. Do you think you're a super sensitive person though? Because I've been getting I mean, death threats is a whole nother thing, but the memes about my eye that was swollen, the memes about my bra straps, and like I'll wear something with my bra showing, like I'll laugh it off. And I feel like the extent of your upsetness at it is like, are you just an emotional person? Super gaslighty, I think, in my humble yeah. opinion. You know, she's saying she's been called far worse things on the internet, that her that she became a meme, this and that. And it's like you're literally denying someone's experience victoria is yeah. basically accusing her of like holding on to it or like not getting over it yeah and it's like i love how cool and collected ryan was she says like we're literally here to talk about this yeah they literally are it's the women tell all literally <laughs> victoria yeah yeah and so i'm glad that the women had her back that's fair yeah, she was yeah, it's like her feelings are valid her. right her exactly. feelings are valid just like it's valid that these people who are harassing you if that doesn't affect you okay that's great for yeah. you but yeah. not everyone is the same yeah yeah exactly. um yeah and then you know victoria just kind of like doubles down on the fact that she's being harassed i was called a like, bully on tv okay but maybe you were I was a Girl, bully. you were a bully. You <laughs> yeah. were. Oh, yeah, anyway. Yeah. That that shoe fit. Also, you yeah. know what the, the wild thing was? I mean, with Victoria, come to expect it. But, you know, with these tell-alls, you have so much time to think about what you're going to say. And yeah. to choose to, like, double down in nonsense is a move, is a choice, to say the least. Yeah. TLDR, Victoria has learned Nothing. Nothing. Literally nothing. Um, so then Chris asked Katie about her and Victoria's kind of altercations. Katie says it sucks to watch someone call her disgusting over and over again. And I agree. And then Victoria says maybe the only thing that was sort of pre-prepared and that sort of could give her some sort of a redemption arc. Yeah. You know, the name calling is completely unacceptable, but... We're all getting backlash for however we handled anything. And I think it's important to remember we all did the best we can do. Life is a learning experience, as is this journey. And we're just getting to watch it back. So, again, I'm just so sorry. And Katie, of course, accepts the apology. But then she, and I'm giving her so much grace by saying this, but misspeaks, I hope, and says kind of a dumb thing. Yeah. We all went through something really hard, and I know some of you guys are experiencing backlash right now, and that's your own karma. So I really just want to move on, and I hope the best for everybody. Big oof to this one. That, that's like more what I was going to say is like when I saw this, I'm like, oh, Katie, what are you doing? Like that is not – and another – you know, and again, like who knows, uh, you know, if this was said in exactly – there or what have you uh but it was not a good look especially because they were talking about you know not only just like harassment but social media stuff and and it's one thing for you know there, there's a way to say like 
you know, none of us. Actions uh, have consequences. Actions like, have consequences. Everyone said the things they said, you know, like that happened. So yeah. you do have to kind of own what you've, you've said and done. But there's a way to say that. And she kind of did say that later, right? I feel like she backtracked. Right. She was like, death threats are never okay. You know, yeah. all these things. And I yeah. feel like she said what you just said, but like after. And I feel like yeah. you could tell yeah. that she kind of felt like she had stepped in it as well. Like yeah. I think she was kind of like a little shaky. And yeah, it blows. We both agree that we did not love that comment. Um, And I'm giving her the benefit of the doubt because of all the things she's shown us. Like she has, you know, walked the walk and talked the talk. But you also have to own, just like she, I hope she meant that, you know, you have to own your shit yeah. publicly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I hope she's also owning the fact that that was like uh, not a good rude, line at all. A rude kind of condescending, dismissive. not yeah. a good luck comment. Yeah. 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 Um, but then what ensued was a strange pile on, which like I didn't realize Chelsea had so much contempt for Katie, but it seemed extremely clear that she does. Yeah. Um, I know I really like Chelsea through a lot of this season. But I that didn't stop me from still picking up and, you know, mentioning on this podcast, like the different times when she said things that I viewed as maybe a little mean girly or maybe a little problematic or maybe like a little dismissive of other people's feelings in the house. I mean, she reiterated a lot of the main things right there on the tell-all. Right. The house was not toxic until you made it toxic by bringing the situation up to Matt and then causing the domino effect that led to every single drama in the house that you weren't involved in. I could understand how in the moment she was like, oh, the house isn't toxic. We didn't like that comment from her in the moment, but we kind of gave it the benefit of the doubt. How can you not watch back yeah. and still say that? Like, yeah. this goes also to the whole redemption arc that MJ got and that uh, Victoria is clearly getting as well. And it's like... Like, how is everyone forgetting the very first regular day that they were there? And Victoria just picked a fight with everyone. Yeah. And how she literally went out of her way to make Marilyn look bad. Right. right in front, right. Like, truly, truly made up things about Marilyn's character to Matt so that he would send her home just because she didn't like that Marilyn politely challenged yeah. her. Yeah. So it was kind of wild for me to see Chelsea react that way to Katie. Um, yeah, yeah. There's definitely some sort of like bone to pick there, which I was surprised by. Yeah. I mean, I've never understood the narrative that Chelsea said there. And, and I think some other people have as well of that, like the house wasn't toxic until you went to Matt, like that whole thing in regards to Katie. And it just doesn't make sense to me. It just feels yeah. like when you start trying to unpack that, then the whole case kind of falls apart. I do yeah. think there's something to be said about like, cause it does seem like there's this sense of contempt that, you know, not only Chelsea has, but a few of the women have against Katie. And I think at least for me on the outside, and I know, you know, neither of us were on the show. We don't know of yeah. so many things probably we that were left so out. Many things. <laughs> um, and, you know, again, it probably maybe wasn't even just Katie who went to Matt about these things, right? So yeah. uh, there's all these things. I mean, things you said you went to Matt about these yeah, some things, right? Right. right. Like, a, right. you know, there were. Yeah. yeah. So I do understand the frustration that's, that's for me, it just, this stuff feels missing. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Directed, right? It's like the frustration with production to elevate Katie doing that move instead of the people that we saw. But like, there's probably plenty of other people who had moments like that that we just didn't see. So I do understand that frustration, but it does feel misdirected in this sense and again like both you and i we both like chelsea and we both like katie so this kind of feels like this uh this like why can't we all just kind of like get along type of energy i'm like no my friends can't fight like no i don't like this at all um and um Something else. I, something else. I wanted to bring up. So I know that we we did mention that Katie sort of stepped in it by saying the karma line. Another line I actually didn't love from Katie was when she said she was like, uh, or she was making a point about Chelsea, which I think was valid. In that, like, I think Chelsea might be friends with Victoria, or at least was on mm-hmm. the show, and that's going to make it so she naturally. Has like rose colored glasses. Yeah, she has like rose colored glasses. You know, Katie said she was blind to it. And I think I've been a lot more cognizant about like ableist language. So whether Mm -hmm. it's blind or, you know, tone deaf or what have you. Uh, And listen, we all have done it. We've all like very much said that. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to be like, how could Katie do, you know, I think we all sort of say that, but it's just something I'm mindful of, right? Yeah. yeah, it's important to to point out things so that we can be more mindful of them in yeah. our day to day. Right, right. It doesn't exactly. mean it's nefarious. It doesn't mean it's like has a hidden meaning. Yeah, um, sure. It just means that are these are things that accidentally harm other people that maybe we should think about and just point out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're constantly learning. Yeah, constantly learning, right. Constantly exactly. learning and growing. To that point, a perfect segue to like another part of the pylon when Mari again is like calling Katie out for being like super harsh on Sarah and then and then the next day like changing her mind and Katie this she said really well which is crazy because she kind of said it more under duress and in some other parts of this pylon like she said two things that I really liked one was that it was kind of like a like a shock to her system and she kind of realized that she had to get herself in check with how she was reacting to things which I think is in line with the way that we saw her react to things like for the rest of her time on the show. So I think that checks out. You came at Sarah harder than almost anybody. And I said that to and Sarah and I said that to Matt. And the next day the switch. Excuse me, I'm still speaking. Okay, you flipped the switch the next day and you were like, oh, because now I know her story, we should all be nice to her. Absolutely. It was a reality check for me. But that's and fake as hell. It's not. It's called learning. It's called growing. And that's, I feel like, oh, that's like literally in like a, like everything that we stand for. is like, you can change your mind. Like you're allowed to change your opinion because you have grown and learned that you were wrong. Yeah. Like right. I think it's so, and this is so prevalent in politics and stuff. And I think it's crazy that people are like, you didn't vote in the 2016 election and you're sorry about that. Like, fuck you. It's like, I mean, yeah, that sucked. But if this person is telling me that they're sorry and they went from being apathetic to caring yeah. and becoming politically engaged, yeah, like, okay, that sucks that you yeah. did that, but I'm not going to say, fuck you, like, you're irredeemable <laughs> right. forever. So, right. like, 
yeah, I, it was just crazy. Like, that's fake. It's like, no, it's not. It's literally learning and owning your shit and going forward. <laughs> yeah, so back to the pylon, you know, women are, like, basically, like, accusing her of, like, using this, like, get closer to Matt. I think later when we see their relationship unfold via clips, we see that they did have one. Yeah, I think, you yeah. know. America didn't see most of those clips. So I, I don't agree with the women at all. And I think it's a dumb argument, but I guess I can see where the genesis of it comes from. Yeah. And Katie says something about, you know, like wanting the house to not be toxic. Like she, that's like in her character. And that's why she went to Matt. And then Kayla says something that I found really interesting. Like, I'm not going to shout like, oh my God, this is bullying toxic. Toxic if it doesn't affect me. I'm going to take, you know, the cues from the women that it actually affects Yes, you can make space for people, but you have to uplift their voices first. We owed it like a dialogue before saying, oh, it's toxic. Instead of like opening up the floor like Chelsea did in the episode, which said, is that bullying? Is that toxic? Thank you. And like people were able to like hash it out. And to me, this was like, like, yes, of course, elevate the voices of the affected and the disenfranchised and the most marginalized, of course. Mm. I almost feel like Katie did do that because Katie didn't throw anyone under the bus. Katie didn't say, you have to talk to these people. Katie alerted Matt to the fact that there was there were some women being harmed in the house and he opened mm. the floor for that to yeah. be a safe space for those women right. to come to him. So I yeah. feel like she did do that. And for me, the first, like the only, I couldn't get it out of my head when Kayla was speaking and all the women were agreeing with her. I couldn't get the idea of the bystander effect out of my mind. Like, it was basically like, oh, let those women figure it out. Oh, let the victims figure it out. Yeah. Like, yeah, follow right. the victim's lead. It's like... I think it's a delicate balance, like, you yes, know, trying of course. to determine, like, okay, should the person who uh, is at the focus of all of this, you know, take the helm or... And honestly, it's probably a little bit of a game of chicken, especially in such a high-pressure situation like this, mm -hmm. where, you know... We've said the word time, time, time every single week where it's just mm -hmm. – there's not a lot of time to work with. So there probably – I would I would gather, you know, be plenty of instances where, you know, whether it was Katie, whether it was Brittany, uh, wh whoever was kind of at the at the forefront of the, the drama that week uh, was looking at the situation being like, all right, should I say something yet? Like, what should I do? And then as right. the time builds, as the pressure builds, just it's a, about who cracks first in a way. Right. right. And I, but that's why, yeah, I, I agree. And I think that's why I think Katie did handle it well, because I feel like she made it so that Matt could open the floor for women to feel yeah. safe to come to him. Yeah. And I think it's just so wild to be like, oh, you saw people hurting well, just take their lead. It's like, yeah, if you're talking about someone who has been sexually assaulted opens up to you, you shouldn't like turn around and force them to report it to the police, yeah, you yeah, know? Right. Like, yeah. Well, and also, too, you know what? You know what else I think about, too, is like, and again, this, again, it's a very nuanced thing and it's not, it's hard to say like exactly what's right. But you know what I, I also think about is like, you're, I think you're, we have a tendency to, be more um, of advocates for our friends than ourselves at oh, times. Yeah. I can at least personally say that. Oh, so, yeah. you know, for example, like if someone, if someone like on social media is talking shit about me, I'm just like, 
whatever, man. I don't know. It's been a week. I'm just going to like yeah. do something else. But if I see someone coming after Camila, then like, fuck you. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm going to be mad. I'm going to like, and maybe yeah. I'll get ahead of myself. And, you know, maybe in hindsight, it's like, oh shit, like, I don't want to like, you know, respond on behalf of Camila, that whole thing. But I might yeah. not be able to help myself too. So very well yeah. could also be that. Yeah. I just think it would have been different if she like spoke, literally spoke for specific women. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think that we have to be very mindful that not everyone is the same. Like I know for myself, I'm very quick to speak for myself and advocate for myself and make sure that no one puts me in a bad situation. I feel like Katie is very similar. Who's to say that every woman is like that? That clearly wasn't the case with a lot of these women. I'm thinking like Ryan specifically also. Like she was clearly very shaken by the whole ordeal. So yeah. I think it's also very presumptuous to be like, well, they would have taken care of it on on their own. Like this is a very low stakes type of mm. victim situation. And I don't even want to call it that because it's still bullying and bullying is so harmful. But like if you were to replace like victim of bullying from, from this instance and put it in any sort of different type of victimhood, whether it's that a sexual assault or a robbery or I don't know, a hit and run, like you would never phrase it in the same way of like, mm. well, you should have waited to take you know, yeah, their lead yeah. in terms of alerting, I don't know, the paramedics. Yeah, or, or, yeah, like, yeah. I, I just like, yeah, for sure. If someone doesn't want to report their crime, okay, that's fair. But if someone's bleeding on the sidewalk in front of you and yeah. you're just like waiting for them to give you approval of whether or not you should drive them to the hospital, even as they're bleeding out, like I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. No, that makes sense. No, that all makes sense. I, I very much am, am with you on that. Yeah, Great. yeah. Um, but at least someone defended Katie and that was Jesenia. So thank you, Jesenia. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get to, oh man, this is like what I think a lot of us were like, all right. Um, the Anna and, and Brittany saga, we get a little mm -hmm. bit of a recap of it. Uh, just like we do with all of these, you know, sort of hot seat situations. Um, one thing I need to call out is that Anna called Chicago a small town. It is the third biggest city in the country. What? small town nonsense is this what are you what are you doing there are millions of people in that place you cannot small town that i don't know if they're talking about a specific neighborhood i don't know what I the small town thing is it's not a town you're, you're in the city i think it's definitely like i i'm gonna <laughs> i hate the phrase devil's advocate but i am going to in this case in this low stake situation because i don't know it just reminds me of when i think about Miami and growing up here and like it's a big city it's one of the biggest cities in the country not a top three but yeah, it's up there yeah. and it's like a freaking small world like everyone yeah, especially yeah. in certain like age groups you know everyone knows everyone from every high school there's like a million high schools it's hard to explain but like yeah so in that sense I related to it no, but I um it. yeah <laughs> but I would, but I, but I think it is funny to picture it as like a small town. Yeah. I'm just looking to be annoying. That's more what I'm trying and to do. And I'm looking to be annoying <laughs> right back at you, Brett. There you this go. Look at us go. Look at us go. <laughs> um, no, but like, so I did kind of like want, kind of like how you think this all went. So to like to very express recap it, you know, and, uh, you know, she does start off saying like, you know, nothing I can, I can, uh, uh, say can take back what I did to to Brittany, and mm -hmm. she essentially says that she feels like a hundred times worse watching an air than she did even in the moment. Um, 
And it, it seems like it was starting off strong that Brittany does, you know, call out that, you know, this happened weeks ago and she theoretically could have reached out to Brittany at any point uh, to just check in. And, and she didn't, which like obviously doesn't look great. Um, one, so I, I think that's complicated because like, I don't know, contract stuff and I don't know, like it's, it's tough. Yeah. Um, but the thing that I did think this happened a little bit later on is I think when you're apologizing to someone and we've had our fair share of apologies lately um, is people got to be really fucking careful when they're apologizing that they don't start qualifying it. Right. You know, like Anna later on just started saying like, you know, but I did like talk to, you know, I had some friends who like talked to your ex-boyfriends and that whole thing. I see where you're coming from, Brett. But I remember like I remember when she said that it was in response to someone asking her where the rumor came from, not like her defending herself like, oh, but I thought it was good information, you know, like so. Yeah, no, that's fair. I guess I just have a general mistrust of or I'm really examining. Yeah, the the genuineness of, of all yeah. this like even like I was when it initially aired because uh, I, I do kind of remember uh, she was sort of like flip-flopping back and forth for a little bit. And then when it did, like when push came to shove, I think she was a little bit more genuine. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I still think I was teetering even and watching this during the tell-all of like, okay, I'm, I'm trying to land on if this is genuine or not, but that's a fair point. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, In my perspective, I thought she was genuine just all the the extremes that she was saying right like nothing i can say can make it okay i had there is no excuse like someone at some point asked her right like what was going through your head to to like make you do this and she was literally like there's no excuse like there's no excuse like i don't know like that sounds horrible and i think to your point like in my mind i was like that actually is the best thing you could have said because there is no excuse yeah and there's no doesn't matter how angry you were or whatever like that can provide context but it doesn't excuse anything and yeah. i thought that she was really owning it i feel like the way that i wanted mj to own her shit that you know i knew uh victoria wouldn't own her shit like the way that i wanted the other like more like c-string um villains to own things that just were never even we weren't even like brought to their attention at all like i felt like she was the only person who actually owned things and yeah. i also loved britney's response like i think it was great that she held her accountable to the fact that she didn't reach out i think that is tricky because you know like you mentioned contracts but also you don't know someone's like limits yeah you don't know if that person wants to hear from you you don't know if that person wants to hear from you you don't know if that person is gonna say like fuck off and and and, and someone could argue to that well then let them say fuck off and i would you know agree but i think there's some people who would be like I want you to never speak to me again. It, it's so hard to say. Yeah. And time usually can help. And like, you know, when it aired, there'd been some time. You just don't know if someone wants to hear from you. And I don't think that's an excuse for not reaching out ever. But I think that is the beginning of a conversation. Well, what is the next part of an apology look like? Especially one that's not necessarily to a whole community. Like we were talking about Taylor or Chris Harrison. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it's to one person specifically, like what does an apology and holding yourself accountable to that one person look like? I think right. this is just the beginning of that conversation. Like, right. is it 
you know, lay, laying boundaries out up, up front? Is it waiting a time that you feel is safe, better safe than sorry to follow up or check in even if the other person thinks you waited too long? Like, is it asking the person right after your apology, you know, would you be comfortable with me like checking in on you or yeah i mean but even that sounds weird so it's like this is the beginning of that conversation i think yeah yeah so Brittany does you know end up saying that she doesn't want this to ruin anna's life either and and does ultimately you know accept her you know apology even if it's um you know maybe they they might not be the best of friends after this but i suppose that's a start to making an amends Yeah. yeah Um, I loved that Brittany said that. I thought it was really mature and awesome um, and probably humbling for her for sure. A few episodes ago when she mentioned that she had never been bullied, you know, we didn't say this on the podcast, but in the back of my mind, I was like, were you maybe a bully? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like like one of those situations where it's like if you're – if you don't know who that friend is in the friend group, you're probably that friend. Right. Right. Exactly. That whole thing. she and she admitted to like you know saying things in the past that hurt people and and like not wanting that to be who she is anymore so like a well-rounded self-reflecting woman but what i loved even more was her you know her shout out to the sex industry and to women who are actually escorts and you know saying very loud very clear on national television and then I also want to address, you know, people that are um, in the sex work in- industry. It's just like, don't let somebody tear you down for that. Um, I believe that everyone deserves love and nobody's life is worth more or means less based on the occupation. And thank God. Um, I'm just like, I love Brittany all, all the more now. And because, you know, we yeah. spoke about how this also could be harmful for those communities, right? right? right. Like, that's such a huge insult, a life-ending insult, um, that it literally is, but it shouldn't be. Yeah. So I think she navigated that balance really well of, like, respecting the community and the work while also making sure it was known that she wasn't that herself and doing that in a really good way. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely big fan of how Brittany handled it. Yeah. Um, and next, we get a lot of cutting room floor stuff. We see a lot yeah. of this those missing getting, group dates. This is where I'm getting so dates. mad. I'm getting so mad because the missing group dates, like, it feels like, you they know, They were like, fun and cute. Yeah. You know, like, when you were watching, like, Spongebob and shit, and then, like, every once in a while, they'd be like, this is, like, the lost episode. I'm like, why was this the lost episode? Why are we just getting this now? Like, you had this the entire time, and you didn't just give us another episode of Spongebob? Why were you sitting on this episode of Spongebob? This is what it felt like. So I can't relate, <laughs> because I'm not a Spongebob fan. It gives me anxiety. Oh it gave me anxiety God. as a child. Oh I saw, God. like, one episode. I need a separate podcast episode unpacking <laughs> your Spongebob drama. I saw one episode. I mean, I saw several over my life, always against my will. But I saw one episode where, like, SpongeBob keeps missing a bus. <laughs> and it gave me so much anxiety. And I was, like, in the fourth grade. Like, I was like, I hate this show. I didn't even know Damn. what anxiety was. Anyway. Oh, my God. That was, like, was it your, like, first experience with anxiety? That just, like, your introduction to it? I guess. I don't know. Oh I mean, God. probably. Wow, anyway, is... back to the podcast since people don't like when we deviate. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so like, I mean, that was the thing when I was watching all of this cutting room floor stuff, like with the fear factor date and like the hide and seek and all of this stuff is like, the pancakes. why didn't we? Yeah, the pancake eating, like the bugs and oh, uh, um, is that 
we had all this to work with, yet we had like four weeks of Victoria nonsense. Like, yeah. I want to talk to the editor right now. Yeah, this was genuinely fun to watch. And it was so annoying. Well, one, we called it out. We were like, where are these missing, you know, group dates? <laughs> yeah. And then two, it's like, you could see, I mean, obviously, even this was edited for time because if it had been in the show, it had been longer than like the segment they showed us. But like... You, we would probably have been able to see certain relationships that we were like, how did it yeah. get this serious? Yeah. Like, we would have been able to see those blossom more in those areas as well. Yeah. So it was just like very um, frustrating. Also, one thing I want to point out is that where was Matt James in the Fear Factor, as you call it, like the bug <laughs> episode? Like, he just wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, it was like, well, that was the thing that was funny. Like, when you were saying, like, oh, yeah, we could have like really seen these relationships pan out. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, I guess. But like, I also, on, these group <laughs> dates that we didn't see. The thing I liked is that I feel like we were just getting to know the women for the first time. That's ever. what I meant. Yeah. Cause like, you know, it's like we actually just like got to like see the women and get to know the women and see right, a little bit of their right, personalities. Right. We got to see that Katie doesn't like eggs, like, or like she yeah. had to struggle with that. And like it was, that was fun. That was fun. Yeah, I was Katie having a good yacking. time. Yeah. Kit lost in the woods while everyone meets in the hot tub. You know what's funny about this is that I literally this season was like, oh, there's been a really low number of hot tub situations this season. <laughs> no, they were there. They were just yeah, they were there. Time. They were there the entire time. Um, but yeah, that that's more what I meant. Not like the relationships playing out, but us like actually falling in love with these women as well. Like that's a yeah. huge part. That's like part of the magic that makes a franchise work is that yeah. we fall in love with the lead and we fall in love with the women that he falls in love with or she yeah. falls in love with. So and then we fall in love with them to be the next lead. And then, you know, it's a yeah, lather. But even them repeat. as a couple, like we, you yeah. know, we quote unquote ship them or we, yeah, yeah. we want them to make it like we want yeah, them to yeah. beat the odds and beat the weird, yeah. um, pre COVID quarantine, me, social, like media quarantine time. And, yeah, right. you know, and like, we just didn't have that this season at all. Instead, we just had, episodes of bullying <laughs> bullshit yeah yeah i know it's just like whoops what focus group did they could did they meet with that was like please just like rot our brains with toxic nonsense Dude. please do that uh yeah so i want to see all those dates um just like i wanted to see all of these makeout moments that Katie apparently had right. with Matt that we're now seeing for the first time when she takes right. the stage i swear that i thought they kiss like one time pickishly. on their one on one. Yeah. yeah, but I thought the same. I thought that <laughs> yeah. she was like late to the kissing party. Yeah, it's well. like I thought she was. Yeah, like like weeks into the kissing party, and you know, for the most part, they were just like holding hands. That was their dynamic the entire time. But nope, yeah. apparently there was lots of lip smacking that was happening the entire season. Yeah, there were so many moments in that montage that they showed her that were just not in the show at all, like yeah. at all, yeah. and it was really fun and cute to see and i wish we had seen it so that it yeah. made more sense like they were also i mean i think this is part of like the you know we're getting into like the segments of like bachelorette edits yeah. um with all the women who have like their individual time on the stage but it's like part of the bachelorette edit right of like oh like just a devastating goodbye and i was like it didn't seem that devastating like to katie yeah but i think we chalked it up to like her being in this like love cloud of being enamored by the bachelor which we know is very common and easy for like the women to get like sucked into that yeah. and he was just kind of not really reciprocating and then we see this montage of all these things we haven't seen and it's like no they had a connection they had 
romantic moments and cute moments yeah. and and yeah. all these things that I would have loved to see and would have made that like devastating goodbye like feel more dramatic honestly like it would have yeah, elevated yeah. stakes it would have made us more invested like what they wanted out of the victoria drama shit like the drama that we want like we would have gotten if we had seen more of these relationships being built up and then unfortunately sadly ending yeah. um it's very hunger gamesy in that sense now that i say it out loud <laughs> but um yeah it was wild because katie's crying you know she's actually crying and it makes sense like she hasn't seen any of that before like i know all the women were saying you know like that's hard to watch and i'm sure it was but this was one of the few times where like all the other women had clips that we did see and this was kind of like almost validating for katie in the sense that like no one even during the season even in real time yeah. all the women were like yeah. what's your what relationship do you even have yeah. it's like yeah. there it is yeah. okay yeah, there it, it is. existed yeah, exactly so that very clearly seemed i was a little nervous when they initially brought katie to the stage i was like oh no okay like they were gonna get like round two of like people just coming after her but you know it clearly was like a nice bachelorette poisoning <laughs> kind of kind of move yeah. uh, which wasn't yeah. the 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 only one because then we get abigail there were so many the there was like five here. in a row yeah and abigail they it's teed her up too so they're really just kind of like uh scramble us a bit and, yeah. and hedge their bets maybe um, but yeah. i really loved yeah like abigail um you know coming to the stage and you know talks about the the deaf community um i was really scared um kind of when i decided to come on just because I think people kind of view the hearing community and then the deaf community with the capital D as kind of black and white. And I'm kind of that gray space in the yeah. middle that hasn't had a lot of light shown on. I was born uh, profoundly deaf, so it means I have no hearing. So if I take my cochlear, cochlear implant off, I can't hear anything. Um, but I'm also not a member of the deaf community with a, a capital D because I don't use sign language. I really love that she noted that because that's something that I think I've heard before, but I'm not really sure if it has really landed. And as, yeah. as far as like me actually knowing the specific difference and yeah, no, I, I was just like really grateful that they, they aired like that specifically. Um, yeah, I didn't know the literal differentiator of capital D death and lowercase d death, which was great to know that there's a way to differentiate these communities because I did know about the fact that those communities were kind of separate and like when she talks about being in the gray space of that community like I do know that it can be really hard to be in the middle of that community like one foot in the world one foot out and that that feeling exists in all kinds of communities you know it it exists as being someone who is Hispanic raised in the United States and who still has family back you know back in the motherland you know to be incredibly specific to myself like it exists that feeling of like being one foot in two worlds exists in a lot of communities and so it was great to be able to have like a word and term for it for her specific community um there's this great um i mean obviously brett you know that i love reality tv i know you love reality tv Mm -hmm. um when we're not watching the bachelor we're watching other smaller uh maybe lesser known things Mm -hmm. um And something that is on Netflix that I binged in like literally two seconds, I loved it, was Deaf You. And it's about a group of students who attend Gallatin. And it's a school for deaf people and deaf students in D.C. And it's like the best 
deaf school. It's like very prestigious, very acclaimed. And it was really interesting to see the people um, showcased in the show because you had students who were from, you know, the capital D deaf community where they their parents are deaf. They like grow up deaf. They like they go to the best deaf schools. They speak the most fluent, the fastest sign language. And then you have students who maybe became deaf, you know, when they were young or maybe their parents are hearing and they learn sign language slower. They went to, you know, schools with hearing people and like maybe their sign language is slower or maybe they have more friends or more ties with the hearing community and some groups of students really had disdain for the hearing world and like some students really felt like they were they were like caught between like they had to choose between the world they grew up with and like being accepted by the capital d deaf community so um i felt like i learned a lot from that show yeah um but somehow i didn't learn about this capital d lowercase d differentiator and now i learned it here so i'm yeah yeah i don't know it was really great to see that yeah and again, you know, so like at the, you know, the tail end of her sit down, um, you know, Abigail makes a note that, you know, disability isn't always romanticized. So whether it was deaf you, whether it was having Abigail uh, on this season, that's, it's great to see, you know, and and it's yeah. great to, uh, you know, it's, it's great to have that just so that we are made more aware of, of these things, right? Because it's uh it, you know, you're, if if you're not exposed to it, there's no way you can yeah. learn from that perspective. Yeah. So then, I just do hope that she doesn't get flack from parts of the deaf community for saying that, because parts of the deaf community are really adamant that. And I learned this from deaf you. I you know I don't claim to speak for this community. Um, that they're you know deaf culture is real, and they have their own culture and way of being. And being deaf isn't a disability. It's a way of life. Um, So I hope that she doesn't get flack for that. But I think it's one of the most concise ways to say what, like, I think I, her point is extremely valid. So I, you know, I don't fault her for saying that at all. I just hope that, you know, being in the gray area, I hope that this doesn't cause parts of the deaf community to, you know, not claim her as we see sometimes in internet world. Yeah, for sure. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so then, yeah, after we get Abigail and we get kind of like another Bachelorette edit there too, uh, we get Serena, P, and we get Piper. And I will say like, I mean, I love both, both of them. What was that? I said both boring. <laughs> oh, yeah. Both boring. Yeah. I was going to put it more gently than that. I was going to say we didn't really learn anything new from either yeah. of them instead of just like, what? You were emotional. Oh, my God. I wasn't expecting that. That's pretty yeah. much what the sit downs were like. I mean, uh, I really we, like the, both of those women. I think they're great. Yeah, I just yeah. like really no comment other than yeah. they have. Yeah, it's like they sat down. They did do that. <laughs> they uh, looked really then, pretty. They did. They did. They really did. Um, and then Matt James came out with his big old beard. We big finally saw beard. that that beard live in the flesh in there. In the wild. In the wild. And you know what I will say? It's like, so I, I was like a little mixed on the beard. Looked very good. During this it tell-all. looked very good in the tell-all. I feel like he must have trimmed it or something because he I had some it, pictures I, where it was, or maybe maybe he like put some gel in it, you know, to like shape I think, it. I think that's well. I think he maybe put gel in it to shape it, but I think he not only trimmed it. I think he like he had it shaped. Yeah, it had some sparkle to it. I think he, he definitely like, did. I think he like <gasps> I saw that too. It. it was sparkling. it was shimmering. 
It was shimmering in the light. It was literally shimmering. Oh my God. Thank you. I saw that too. Yeah. So like he did, he was like, he was more, uh, talk about like developing relationships in this season. He was just really trying to showcase his relationship with his newfound beard by making sure it was all shiny for tell all. And uh, listen, it worked. It was a good, it was a good looking beard. Yeah. It was a good looking beard. I will say. And I'm not normally a facial hair gal. Looks good on him. Yeah. I thought you liked mustaches. I, I literally hate the them. Fuck you, Brett. You know remember. that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Okay. Gaslighting at its finest. <laughs> Brett can do it too. Cancel Brett. That's it. That's it. All right. That's fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> so then after, you know, we get a nice shot of the beard. Um, and before he starts kind of speaking with the women more one-on-one, he does address them all at once. I'm a little surprised. You know, I, I would expect a... a a certain amount of that to be taking place just because there's multiple people trying to date one person. So uh, I, I just tried to be empathetic to the women and what they were going through because I hadn't gone through it. So I couldn't say, you know what, I wouldn't have acted differently in their position. There's a, a million different factors that you have to, mm-hmm. to take into account. So I try not to hold them to an unrealistic standard and I just try to be as realistic as possible. And I just want to kind of point this out and like a kind of applaud him for it. I think we have been saying time and time again on this podcast, like, you know, we weren't there. Production is behind a lot of things. We understand that they're under a lot of pressure. And so they might act in ways that they're even unfamiliar with within themselves. And we can still hold them accountable while also being able to forgive them and give them the space and time to grow and be better. Yeah. You know? So I did like that he said that because it is kind of like, like, hello, viewers, like don't harass people for not being 100% strong all the time. Or don't harass people for occasionally having misdirected anger, especially if it was occasionally. Because as much as I eye roll at Kit or Chelsea for some of their like moments that I didn't quite agree with, like we can't even pretend to know what it's like to be in yeah, pressure and absolutely. in their shoes. So it's like apologize, own it, move on. Yeah. Everything's gravy, yeah. baby. The people, yeah, it's like the people who I uh, kind of like hold grudges onto is like the people who just like refuse to ever own it and they like yeah. die on the hill. Then I'm like, all right, I don't know, weird move, but okay. Yeah, like, or even making work. it about them. Also, like I'm not gonna lie, Serena C is one of the people who irked me really from the beginning. Um, and Serena kind of put some of this into words. I know you saw a lot of us put our best foot forward around you, and then you also saw not the best parts of ourselves. I hope that watching us doesn't make you see us in a bad light. Yeah. As like bad people. Yeah. Or being mean. And I mean, she was obviously talking about herself because she had so many mean girl moments. Like she was very closely behind MJ and Victoria. Like I just wish she had like at least apologized in that moment. And then I could be like, yeah, you're good girl. Like we get it. But again, just kind of being like making an excuse. Yeah, rather yeah, than like just, just own like it. It's owning like, it. Yeah, it's like own so, it without qualifiers. Just own without it. Without like, qualifiers. That's so key. And so, you know, Matt goes on to be like, of course, you know, like I know you all, whatever. Um, but what a lot of us are understanding is that uh, there comes a point in time we have to be accountable for things. And as tough as that is, like better now, I feel like, than down the road. And it's yeah. like, yes, thank you. Accountability, <laughs> accountability. I am annoyed that he kind of was like, Victoria, I know your heart. That was yeah. the one thing that I could have done with him doing. Yeah, but again, no, it's 
Victoria still needs her redemption arc. So uh, yeah, you know what I think they were. I think they were just like so. They being you know the producer of this, of this tell all were very much just trying to shift the general tone of the entire tell all to the point oh, that maybe yeah. slightly overcorrected and like kind of swept oh, yeah. Victoria in the forgiveness uh, right blanket. You know yeah. And then I, I will say I'm also just like really hyped that they called out, not only called out, but created a montage of Matt kissing open with his eyes, eyes open. <laughs> and not only that, but then we also got footage of them talking about it. Like literally Matt making jokes about it. Like literally the women talking about it. It was just so funny. I think it's crazy that, you know, Piper said something to him about it. Like, I don't know. That whole part, like, wow, was it ridiculous. And I just can't <laughs> handle the fact that he never knew that that was a thing. I, I mean, it's a, it's one thing. That's the thing. It's like, it's one thing to, like, catch yourself opening your eyes every once in a while. We had that whole conversation. Yeah. Like, you know, sometimes you just want to check in, whatever. But it's a whole other thing to, like, miss that that's, like, a thing that we all know yeah. that we shouldn't do. I mean, the girls found out for a reason because they do the normal thing of like opening your eyes every once in a while. Yeah, That's yeah. normal. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, but listen, like, I don't know. I'm kind of, kind of hot take. It's like, I know he said he was going to like, not, you know, kiss with his eyes open anymore, but I'm like, just, just like, you don't have to completely shut him, you know, just, just like do it less. Right. Yeah. I it's agree. Okay to a middle ground. Once a a middle ground. Moderation yeah. is the key yeah. for everything in life. Heck yeah. <laughs> And then with that, we get to the little classic blooper reel of the tell-all, you know, just to express it. There's lots of bugs. There's, there's always little, so many bugs. I will say there's always so many bugs in the blooper reel. It's yeah, like a, it's like a go-to. Yeah, it's a good go-to. Yeah. And then we get a little – I actually really liked the uh, the hot wings moment with like JoJo and Taisha. Also, did they cut them completely from the season? Like I don't remember seeing them in the season. Or am I, I going crazy? I'm – Honestly, not even sure because, like, now I, I can't remember. Like, now it. I can't remember. I don't think they did either. I think you're right. I don't think they did either, but I can't remember for sure because I remember seeing like it's like oh, like this was left out. This they just left so much out. They left so much yeah. out. Why? Just why did they do this? Yeah, to us? and I, like this was like a date activity, like hot wings with JoJo and Tasha, like. Were they doing this while the girls were were playing with bugs? Like, I yeah. like yeah. where? What was the point of them <laughs> eating hot wings? It was funny. It was entertaining. Yeah. I wish they yeah. left it in. I wish I knew more of the context. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, we have a lot more hot tubs. Um, and we have the the hot tub moment with Matt and Serena P, which I I actually wanted to call that one out in particular because we've had like plenty of accidental boner moments. Uh, mm-hmm. pop up on this show but i don't think it's ever been like quite as on the nose matt here was just like i have a boner i need a robe like that yeah. was just really owning it yeah. so kudos um and then we get a teaser for next week you know so but we not get- before but not before an awkward chris harrison monologue that they chose to not edit out and of course, Bachelor Nation, man, we miss you. Man, I miss having a studio audience. Oh, it's so good when you got that energy. Soon, hopefully soon, we'll all be together again. But please God. join like us that feels Monday, like March 15th. Yeah, it could. It's, it's just so crazy because like, well, one, we know things are always edited out for time. Like we know these shows are long um, and sometimes they 
they release some of the things that are edited out for as like bonus content, right? Like especially yeah. if it's like a yeah. whole chunk. We know that there was a moment in the Women Tell All where they talked about the Rachel Kirkinell stuff. Yeah. We know yeah. because Chris brought it up to Rachel Lindsay. Yeah. That's obviously not in there, you know? Yeah. Um so it's like we know they could have edited yeah. that out. And so again, a choice. They also that reminds me, they also edited out Heather entirely because we saw her long ass hair. We know that that's Heather and yet did not choose to include her. Wait, yes. Okay, well, this goes back to what I said. Sorry, maybe we're a little bit all over the place in this episode, but that goes back to what I was saying earlier about like erasing the bullying that existed in the house. Like even after Katie was gone, like those women were vicious to Heather, vicious, and they don't address it at all. Yeah. At all. Instead, they go down this weird like bully apologist. Like, I don't know. Like, that did rub me the wrong way. I meant to bring that up earlier. Sorry, I didn't. It's here now. Yeah, yeah, that was that. It seems to your point, very intentionally trying to course correct the tone of the night and to make it as less catty as possible and to kind of elevate all the women to like a more um, neutral state or a less toxic state, yeah, a more neutral yeah. state. Yeah, which is like now's not the time. Now's the time to address <laughs> things and then get on with it. You know, yeah, then neutralize yeah. after you address things. Right. But whatever um and so then after that we have the teaser um we see fantasy suites uh they bring matt's dad in which i was like oh okay i didn't yeah, realize that they yeah. actually had a relationship or they spoke or maybe they i didn't. don't know if they do. yeah i don't think they do and that's like why i'm like man that i mean i guess we're gonna see yeah what the fuck is up with that but like holy shit at, at that whole thing yeah, that felt like, oh, no, a recipe for disaster, honestly. Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then we have Matt walking through a fucking <laughs> snowstorm without a jacket. Yeah, Why? Just, What's the purpose? Was this Matt's choice or production's choice? Like, this gave me extreme, like... What was the reason? We all had, we all had like, that one person we went to high school with. Well, you didn't. You went... You, you were warm weather. Yeah, leave me out of this. Time. Leave me yeah. out of this. Okay, so so anyone who had seasons uh, knew... <laughs> Uh, like we that had one spring person and summer, okay? Who had winter, I should say. Uh, we all had that one person we went to middle school, high school with who would wear shorts in the middle of winter and be like, this is fun. I'm like, cool. Like, look at me. I'm so tough. I wear shorts in winter. No, you're dumb. Like, you're going to catch a cold. Stop it. Stop it right now. <laughs> Jack and Matt. Oh. Yeah. What no. did you want to say? Jack is the person from high school. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, you are name dropping. Naming names. Naming names. So like Jack from high school and Matt James, put some more appropriate attire on, please. Thank you. And with that, I think that's another episode of Baby Got Batch. This episode was produced by us, Brett Vergara and Camila Salazar. Have any questions, comments, opinions, haikus, or love letters for us? Email them all to babygotbatchpod at gmail.com. And then listen, don't forget to rate and review and, you know, subscribe on Apple Podcasts and listen, five stars would be awesome. And if you're not yet, follow us on social media. We're at babygotbatchpod on Twitter and Instagram. 
And since you're, you know, there already, if you want to follow us personally, we're at Brett S. Vergara and at Kami La 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 with two A's at the end on both. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.